Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam, the Kurt Cobain-esque slash Hitler slash Bob Marley. Uh, Morgan, surname Morgan. This is, by the way, those three famous people in reference to his hair, which is sort of, it's evolving, it's morphing, it's, it's a bit of Kurt Cobain, it's a little bit of Hitler, it's a little bit, quite an eclectic mix, that. You've put me well and truly off my christmas stride you've got an obsession with my hair I what, do what, how yeah. i was gonna start the show yeah. mm. and we might have to rewind and go on again <laughs> it's it's beginning to look a lot like, like christmas everywhere, everywhere i go, go. Oh, dude some, keep going something like keep that going. Mate, it, we, we had a real thing there oh we were really we, <laughs> that was sounded quite good listeners are like that was awful yeah that was so like jedward <laughs> Dude. Rather than, seriously, I don't know, the Isley Brothers. Mate, we are going to get rinsed in the ocean. So, I mean, we, we, with these mindful, deep, woo-woo characters. And then they're singing too. Have you heard them on that show? Oh, my God. <laughs> Who are those guys? Let me tell you, you can't sing, boys. You cannot sing. That's good. I guess when, uh, hello, everybody, if you're listening to this, you might be tucking into a mince pie and getting ready to um, celebrate Christmas Eve, which is the next day. And let me say to my family who... Won't be listening to this, but I'll tell them in the ether anyway, that in case you're wondering, it's always a surfboard. It's just, that's it. In case you're wondering. Like, it's that, you know, oh, Will, what do you want for, do you want a jumper? Is it, you know, socks? Is it, you know, um, oh, well, shoes and then surfboard. Well, sure. It's just, what can you, what else can you get a surfer that, I mean, I know wetsuit, let's not go to wetsuit, wetsuit. I mean, that's wetsuit all the time. It's Well, let's not restrict ourselves. Wetsuit accessories. Let's not think small, Will. Let's not go small. I'm going, what I would like for Christmas is a wave ball. <laughs> Actually, we discussed this, didn't we? But you know, dude, if you won the lottery, yeah, we, we joked about this at the wave park, the wave in Bristol, which is where we've been recently. We were joking that apparently it cost twenty-two million to build. Now, can we get that up? Was that right? Because we were trying to work out if that was true. I think I might have ended up making that up. But sometimes you just got to do that with numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. And anyway, so we we were joking that like if we won twenty-two and a half mil, we could turn to the family and go, "Look, Al, that's my wife. Say, look, Al, I can get a real sweet." Half a million quid house. She's like, whoa, sweet. Like, how much did we win? I said, well, you know, we won 22 and a half million. She's like, where the fuck is the, where the fuck is the other 22 million going? Well, honey. I'll tell you how much. I'll, I'll say, I'll say, look, honey, 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 how important to you is my stoke? And she'll say, it's the most important thing in my life, honey. And from there, she'll agree. I'll tell you and how we'll, much. We'll build a wave park in the garden. Shall I tell you how much it costs? According to uh, the BBC, 20. Six million pounds. There you go. It can generate up to 1,000 waves an hour. Very good. 26 million quid well spent. Dude, can you imagine having one in your... Now, I want to put this out there as a thought idea, actually, on a serious note. What would it do, do you think, to the various ins and outs that we discuss of stoke, of happiness, of, of ability, of flow, of boards, of everything? What do you think it would do? If you had it on tap like that, perfect ways at a new garden. We'd have to ask Kelly Slater. Yeah. Because he's got it. Well, he's actually got it, hasn't he? His is a bit different to this wave technology because his is his generates... Serious barrels. Well, real serious barrels, but also only ever every, I think, 20 minutes? Yeah. Or something. So let's say you literally had on tap... Well, okay, Kelly's wave, let's yeah. say. That quality, but just constant, constant. So what, what do you think? Because I know what it would do for me. You'd have a few more friends, that's for sure. few more friends? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah. I'd actually have friends. Everybody that would be, be really nice, dude. Be like, God, oh, I've got all these mates. This They're always nice. around my house. Everyone's being so nice to me. Yeah. 
and we discussed this in social. Let's let's kind of talk about some of our social media. We we had a post today. Better surf does not always equate to more happiness, and it's because we adapt. No matter what low or high comes into your life, we return back to where we came from. And this is what's called in positive psychology research. This is known as your subjective well-being. It's the thing that you go in with your average score of well-being, and we assume. But we all do this, and I do this all the time myself. We assume that something on the outside will improve that score. You know, better waves, better body, more money, more friends, more this, more that, more whatever it might be. And then when we get those things, they have this little effect. Like we all have that boost. Everyone has a little boost in hormones and dopamine, and you feel good, and all oh, the waves, and you've gone to the mental waves, and you've jumped off the boat, and wah! And you get that, and then quite what's quite amazing is he's really fascinating. This and and it's why mindset's everything. But uh, after a bit of time, you just go back to who, you know who you are, and that's where you are. Who you are is where you are. Oh yes, that's true. And there is something on that serious point about if you had this thing that was on tap, like anything, there is a power to scarcity, and there's a value that scarcity brings to something. Now, there's also the kind of fundamentals of. Something connects with you when you're riding that kind of raw, just energy. Because we're just we're just floating around, aren't we, in this big universe? And the waves give you that sort of feeling of you know that kind of momentary bliss of disconnection with everything, other than just that pure energy source. But when that's an artificial thing, and you've got that all the time, it's a sort of philosophy. I'm sure a lot of people are asking this question: Does it remove some of that mystic joy, or is it still there? If you create a god particle in a test tube. Is it still the God particle? No, not get to where sort of religion and science converge or spirituality, let's say, and science converge. So that kind of that energy that's produced time and time again from this man-made machine in this sort of artificial body of water, would you get complacent? You'd certainly get bloody good at surfing and tricks. But, <laughs> but there is a sort of serious side that, yeah, maybe you kind of familiarity, as the old saying goes, breeds contempt, doesn't it? So, you know, and that would be a sad moment the day that you look out on this, on any wave and think, Pfft. not that you know it's not the right time to go in, but just, meh, can't be bothered. And um, it happens. It does happen. And it's kind of interesting. We discuss this a lot about flow and what flow experience is. And when you stand on a wave, you enter the flow experience, which is this thing called there's no time, nowhere, no one, no thing happening except everything at once. And it's an oxymoron, isn't it? It's like it's everything and nothing all in one moment. And, and, and it's because it's timeless and there's no thoughts. And there's So man has tried since the dawn of history, if you notice, to try and get into that space. That's really what we've been trying to do is get into that space. How can we get into that space? How can we get into that space? Well, there's various methods. You know, make sure that when you, let's say, go surfing, this is a surfing show, when you go surfing, that the waves challenge you but not challenge you too much. You know, try and find that middle that middle ground. And, it, you know, that's neither being underwhelmed nor overwhelmed. Now you get this great thing called flow when you go surfing. But then what about when you get back on land? And that's really the crux of where mindfulness comes in because the mind comes back. You know, when I've heard people before, like I've heard big wave riders in videos say before, oh, I just, you know, I, I get that escape. You know, I just escape everything. When they go back to whatever it is that they were trying to escape from, it's a real coming down. It's a real like, wow. I'm dealing with life again. And it doesn't have to be like that entirely. Now, I think there's a natural coming down. I think there always is. This is inevitable. But the coming down to almost the feeling of like, oh shit, I'm having to deal with this life shit again until I can get back to the ocean. The way to get around that is to never try and get around it in the first place. Is to not lean on surfing so heavily as your escape method 
Because what you have done is in your day-to-day, free from flow experiences, with loads of thoughts, loads of busyness, loads of stress, you've realized who you are. Mm. You're not your mind. You are the one who watches it. Because there is never going to be a time until you die or standing on a wave, let's say, that where you're going to cancel the mind and get rid of it. But man has tried since the dawn of history to do that, whether it's via drugs, alcohol, artistic experiences, psychedelics, surfing, whatever can bring you flow to try and get rid of that. And and there isn't any way of doing that. So it's got to be something else. Do you know, I relate mm, hugely to that from the point of view that I always, guilty here, and this has been a part of this whole mindful surfer exercise as well, hasn't it? Is that it was always my escape, escapism, because I had this great experience. Depends what day you're in, but just being in that sort of a, you know, getting that dose of vitamin C, I saw as a great escape from whatever other parts of the world that I wasn't particularly enjoying at that time. The problem with that, or the challenge with that, is that if it is your escape, and it's the only thing, and you're always trying to leave where you are to get into that place that gives you, and now that could be same with drugs or alcohol or whatever it is that you use as your sort of parachute out of what you perceive to be your here and now then the problem with, with that is it can always be taken away. And once you take that away, you're still left with the here and now. So I try to flip mine now. So of course, it is still, to go back to that old Jerry Lopez thing of saying, it's a backdoor into meditation. It is a hack, isn't it? It's a little secret passage into that here and now. Like you say, there's no time, there's no place, you're just in there. But rather than it being escapism or an escape, I'm trying to now see it as an enhancement of my existence. So I'm going in there to make everything else better but it's not the answer to all of the problems that exist. Super smart. It's, and it's really humbling. You know, we either come into awakening to our mind on land or in those experiences, those just those moments of just being like, God, this mind is just relentless. We either do it or we don't. It's quite black and white that. And what's really interesting, when I've met people who I really feel like have awakened to their mind, there's an ease. It's a just, I'm here. And it's very, very, very different to, I'm going to say average human beings, normal, everyday, 90% of the world type human beings where you, yeah. you interact and, and they're just not there. There's somewhere else, somewhere, and where they are is their mind. Yeah. And that's okay. There's never judgment, no. never any judgment. And all show like what we do here is it acts like a, we're the midwife, but the mother, which is you, you by the way, listening oh. to this analogy, <laughs> is there laying down. I thought you were looking at me to- then. <laughs> is there... Being the one having to push. You've got to do the push. You've got to do the work. You've got to lean into this. You know, mindfulness coaches act as guides, but you've got to take the first step. And uh, it often comes from, I mean, when I really awoke, awakened to my mind was when I started more surrendering to it. Yeah. Because it had such a stranglehold over me. It, it really, it really helped me by the throat, it felt like at times, that it was just constant. And I, when it was going through a series of thoughts about the future, mainly bits of past, but lots of future stuff, mine was more based on, on worry, which is future. You know, past is what we call regret, I, I, I expect. But the future is this worry thing. And it was just worrying, worrying, worrying about that thing, worrying about that thing. How's that going to work out? And how am I going to do that? And why have they done this? And what, just fretting like that. And it used to make my body feel. Because I believed in those thoughts. So that was really, and it had this hold of me, hold of me. And I did this thing where I would, what's called crisis meditate. So I would, my anxiety was getting so bad. I was like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meditate. I've just got to get this thing down. It'd be like someone with a bad knee, like, right, I've got to do stretching. Right, come on. I'd do it for a bit. And I'd start, and all I practiced doing, having read books like David Jay's Secrets of Meditation, phenomenal book, by the way, we'll leave it in the show notes. I would practice what David suggests and just catch myself and notice that I've gone, become asleep to my mind. 
whilst laying on the floor or sitting up or whatever I want to do, catch myself that I've not been aware. And in catching myself, I've turned back on. Really, there's no secret to meditation. It's just, you either, you're either the lights are on, as in you're aware, like, oh, that's my mind doing that. There's the next thought. I'm speaking words right now for the sake of this exercise, yeah. but there's, there's no words that can be spoken from stillness, is there? So I'm just using words here now. But when you're doing this in meditation, you are simply silent. There's this, this amazing inner space of infinite power that's just watching. And I would do that, then fall asleep to it, do that, fall asleep to it. And in doing so, I would unravel the suffering because I could notice that there was this other bit of me that was way more powerful, that was watching these thoughts. And in watching those thoughts, seeing how illusionary they were and how they always passed, like clouds in the sky, they always did. And what I would do, Liam, is I would do this crisis meditation. Then once I started to get better, I'd go, oh, it's cool. The mind's done. The mind's healed. It's just like the body. It's just like a relationship. It's just like anything. There is only a journey. And I did this chewing and froing of dipping into meditation fully, dipping out, dipping in, dipping out. And eventually got to this point, I was like, (laughs) I just need to fucking sit the fuck down and do this. Because this is prevention. I'm done with this cure thing. Let's prevent. It's just like the body. You got a back thing, prevent it. You don't have to go into that thing where you don't stretch for six months and then you, you suddenly fucked and you got like five weeks of sciatica and whatever you can do yeah. prevention it's, it's possible it takes more discipline that's the hard bit it's discipline possible. as humans is a hard bit isn't it and like you say you know you can only whatever coach role that someone plays in anything they can't do the thing that you're they're coaching you on for you and that's where that's where the kind of top let's just use them as an let's use the top surfers right as an analogy as well they've been coached so they know what they're doing but then they put the relentless hours and practice into every little bit of every element that goes into making them that person that they are from a success point of view so stretches training weight training uh, mobility surf practice nutrition you know sleep all of those things it's not that they just get a board grab a board and they're really talented and they go in and that's they can do it there is so much goes into to that and you apply the same because, you know, we talk a lot about, I think in previous episodes, we mentioned this app called Fika. And the guy that, I met the guy that founded that quite some time ago. And he was talking about the idea that, you know, we always talk about physical health in a really positive way. And you can train and develop and, and grow muscles, you know, and that looks good. But when we talk about mental health, it's always like, you know, they show pictures of people looking with their head in their hands and looking really sad and there's clouds <laughs> over them and all that sort of thing. It's true. It's true. We talk, he was saying, well, why do we say that? In one breath and then the physical health. But in the same way that you get a coach for your mind or, uh, for, sorry, for your body, get a coach for your mind as well and get the strength gains in that aspect as much as you would if you went and slammed out hours and hours of training in the gym. It's so true, dude. There's a wonderful analogy I remember Paul Check revealing once, which is that you might see that, let's say, said surfer yeah. doing super well and looking like they've got everything dialed in and athletic, they've calm, they've got all these ducks, you know. Well, this is where the analogy goes because yeah. it's a duck. But the analogy is like the duck or swan. Yeah. And it's basically that, the appearance is of this very graceful swan just moving along the water, but underneath, these feet are moving, moving, moving. And there's so many little tiny disciplined habits that are allowing for that grace, allowing for that poise up top. Yeah. And, dude, talking about that, we're going back to the wave. Well, when you're listening to this, people. Oh, yeah. We'll have been. We'll have been. Well, thank you very much. We do record. We do pre-record. Time of recording. We're going to go on Friday. Yeah. We're doing this on, is it Tuesday today? We record this Tuesday, Tuesday. today. Uh, so yeah, we'll be, we'll have been. Been to the wave. And we talk a lot on this show about facing fears and, and trying to weigh up, you know, is this something that I really want to do? Or is this something my ego wants to do? Whether it, when it comes to bigger waves and more powerful waves, et cetera, et cetera. If we go, so we tend to go that way with the mindfulness of how you deal with fear. But there's a flip side to that. You know, there's a shadow to that. And the shadow is, 
overconfidence yeah. and being complacent and the, and the aspect of complacency. Now, when we first walked in the studio today, we were talking about surfing as per usual. Because I've been <laughs> Liam and I just relentlessly talking about waves and surfing. A little bit obsessed. It's a good thing we are talking about waves and surfing though, William, because we are presenting a surfing podcast. That would be useful, wouldn't it? <laughs> just about. And um, it's that thing of, of letting go, isn't it? Mm. If you had a great surf and you've surfed well, and done turns of your life and you've dealt with the lineup calmly and you've, you know, not gotten angry and you've just been zen and you've been focused and you've been fit and you've been strong. Well, what got you to that? Because it's the very thing we just discussed before. It's discipline. Discipline stretching. You were great with your diet the night before. You got to bed on time. You chose the right board, not the wrong board. You know, you know the board that's for intrinsic drive, not the one that's that looks best in the lineup. You know, lots of little things like go, next bit, next bit, next bit. So that's what we call present moment, discipline, habit formation, decision-making. Just keep repeating that. But if we go based on that kind of... Because we both did pretty well at the wave. I mean, I got the barrel of my life. No photos to prove it. No photos to prove <laughs> it. But we both did pretty well. We were on the expert setting, which a lot of people have struggled yep. on. And some good surfers were struggling that day. And we both we both did okay and let it go. Because we're now... Here's what's even more challenging. We're now going into a step down mm. from expert to advanced plus. So we're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Advanced plus won't be as hard. Well, it, it might be harder. You know, you've got to let it go each time. Never underestimate anything that you're going to go and do. It's like never underestimate your opponent. Look at Anthony Joshua when he fought, was it Anthony Ruiz? And he looked at him and thought, Whoa, why am I fighting this guy? I can do better than that. I'm an expert. Look at this. Look at my body. <laughs> and he gets sort of knocked out. Another one, Kelly Slater. Yeah. Margaret River. Mm. Who's the Italian? He's Italian surfer on tour. Great surfer. Piero Frontiera. What's his name? Oh my God, his name has eluded me. Anyway, he was in the, he was in the opening round of Margaret River, or second round, something like that. And Kelly faced him. He was a wild card. Kelly, this is like years ago. Kelly had, was still like smashing it, doing super well. And he got Fioravanti. Fiori, Fioravanti. Leonardo Le, Fioravanti. Oh, Leone. Leo, Leo. Non ballo italiano, solo, oh, solo inglese. Very good, very good. Dude, who knew? Have you got like a you got an Italian mistress? You're not telling me about. No, no. Um, there you go. And he beat Kelly, and that could only be described as someone could just come in with great ability, but also a bit of complacency too, maybe on Kelly's part. It happens a lot. But the way to kind of come around that is to just really stay, let go, and let also, go of the past every time. And that's it, because this is where surfing. I always talk about this as a non-golfer, but where I can see the parallels with golf, which is maybe why a lot of pro surfers end up playing golf. Really, is that you can have an amazing day surfing, and the very next day you can surf like you've never surfed before in your life. Yep. And you see that so often, certainly in myself. And you're right, Will, what it is often to do with is two things. One is the complacency element and the other is ego starts to creep back in as mm. well and thinks, oh, I'm a surfer now. I'm surfing. And then suddenly, whatever the universe is doing likes to remind you that you're just a bloke in a rubber suit in a very powerful body of water. Yeah. And, um, and don't get too bloody big for your boots, young man. It's amazing how ego is... Well, it's ego is thoughts, thoughts is ego. You know, how that can really interrupt the flow, mm. which can really interrupt your performance. And I had it yesterday with this guy who'd come in. Not, now, not the guy that we, we met later in the session, but there was a guy before yep. riding a shortboard, riding really well, good surfer, getting a lot of waves. And he was really watching my waves, I could tell. And he put me on edge. And I wasn't surfing great at all for the first 30, 40 minutes-ish. And, and the main reason really was because I was caring too much of what people think. My mind was in that aspect of, I felt self-conscious as I was paddling for the wave, as I was snapping, as I was landing on my feet. And because of all that, 
my mind is more focused on those thoughts as opposed to actually the experience of my hands on the rails, look down the line and really pure focus. And when you're unfocused, it is remarkable how the body drops off. And it's a really fascinating thing because it's just the mind. You know, it's not like, listen, my body can cover that. It can just do it. But wow, you can't do it without the mind. The mind's a funny thing. You can't do it without focus. And that's why when I look at these busy, you know, we, we consume lots of surf footage and surf media. You guys know that. When I look at these crowded lineups, I saw Mick Fanning surfing the other day. And, and literally, he was so close to people paddling out through this beautiful wave. And that's Mick Fanning. And he's sort of, you know, spinning around them and all this sort of stuff. But I just kind of, that would so take me away from any sense of enjoy at the moment, where at the current stage I am is that enjoyment of everything that I get from surfing is if you throw loads of people in and different challenging conditions as well on top of that. It's an amazing thing to sort of behold because it's a broad church, this surfing community. We're surfers. You know, it's just so interesting to see where people surf, how they surf and how, how that stuff that the mind has to deal with can interrupt or enhance the surf session or experience. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. The more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. 100%. Because I know I surf my best when I'm just with one or two other close mates. Same. Where there's no judgment, pure stoke. You've got your own peak. You weigh down the beach. No one can, you know, you're in your own little world. And that's when I'm at my absolute best. And I'm just like anyone. When I get into that more competitive lineup and it's a bit more crowded, my performance drops off quite significantly, actually. And that's why it is so impressive when guys like that can do that. I think that it's also about practice. We don't have such intensity in our lineups as you do, let's say, in other parts of the world where you maybe get used to it a little bit. Yeah. You know, we're quite fortunate. Now, I know we don't have like epic overhead barreling waves. We have more like what we call mush burgers, but at least we've got mush burgers with kind of mainly to ourselves. And that I'd much rather be on that end of the of the curve. Hey, you want fries with your mush burger? <laughs> that was that was fucking terrible. I gotta say, dude. That no, hang on. Hey, there's a t-shirt in that somewhere. Sorry to all of our audience on the other side of the of the pond. It's absolutely fine, dude. Let's move on to segment one. Let's go. The Mindful Surfer, we do this little meditation just to uh, raise the awareness. This week, we're going to do a bit of a theme on it um, because we, in social, have talked about the blessing that it is to be a surfer who doesn't feel pain, doesn't feel joint pain, just can surf freely and move the body in that way. So there's that in this meditation, but also that if you are you know, dealing with an injury right now, that it's a moment right now in, in these next couple of minutes just to kind of just be with that injury and kind of not... Judge yourself for having it or get annoyed about having it, but just be calm. So let's let's take a deep breath in through the nose. And breathe out. And breathe in. And breathe out. And take a breath in. Nice deep, deep breath in. Get as much air in as you can. Hold your breath at the top. Breathe out really slowly. Keep taking deep breaths and just listen to these words. So it's okay to get annoyed or frustrated with your body or down, pissed off with your body when it's not doing what you want it to do. 
And first and foremost, give yourself permission to be human. And then know that no matter how unfit you may have become or how tight or tired or stiff, sore you may have become recently or over time, there is always the chance to do two things. Number one, remain calm by accepting it, being here, being present. And number two, looking towards potentially a brighter future by doing the things that you know you can do. There are a number of healing mechanisms out there. And if you stay positive, you'll find them and they'll find you. Guys, dealing with injuries is not easy, is it? My body's full of, of lots of injuries. And the way I kind of help people on theirs, having helped people with body care for surfing for, for a number of years, is this thing where the most important first step is the one I said in the meditation, the f- most important one, and it's acceptance and being here. Because that's still going to be the most important thing, even when it is healed, it's just being here. Because when it is healed, there's like we said, discussed earlier in the show, there's a tendency to become complacent about it. And let's not go there. Let's not get complacent. Let's neither become anxious about the future of our health and let's neither become complacent about it either. Let's not do either. Well, it's like when, did you say, was it last week or the week before that Buddhist sort of Zen quote that says, just because the kitchen this evening is immaculate and tidy doesn't mean that there won't be work to do in there tomorrow. Exactly what and it is. So it's enjoying that bit because I've lived that, right? In fact, one of our listeners, Caroline, mentioned, she, we were talking about injuries and things keeping out the water. On She sort of messaged us on that. On that. And... I fell well and truly into that trap of you think something's sorted or you think you get to a certain level, but obviously you don't. It's a continual progression. And so my kind of fall into those deep depths of intense sciatic pain and then all of that kind of hip weakness and glute weakness and everything that was kind of pushing the injury further and further into a sort of pain position was partly due to my complacency around, well, you know, it must just be something wrong with me rather than where are also the functional issues that's led me to this place where my body isn't strong enough to deal with what is now going on. And having gone through the gears, as I've said, you know, combining physio, remedial sports therapy and like energy and mind healing for want of a better word, it's done wonders for, for that. And, but I know if I don't keep doing that, if I don't keep the kind of regularity of exercise and movement and uh, mobility, it will come back. Yep. You know, and I'll be back to square one. So you just got to, you know, whatever you're carrying, keep a mind or keep an eye on whether or not it will return, which inevitably it will if you don't do the things you know you need to do. It goes back to discipline again. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. There's a um, famous study. It's a journal of kinesiology of some sort. I'm trying to remember which one it is, but um, double blind placebo Mm. study into people with arthritic symptoms. And without the two groups knowing, they didn't know they were in two groups, but there were. There was one group being given a very, very strong anti-inflammatory, which is proven to reduce the effects of arthritis, although that would probably cause a number of other issues, but that's by the by. Probably some sort of steroidal thing. And the other group were given a sugar pill. And over six months, the sugar pill group had the same result as the group that were given steroids. So that was a 60%, by the way, reduction in symptoms. It's a very famous study. There's been loads of studies done like that. So placebo is mysterious, because there's no way of science. Well, there is maybe someone called Joe Dispenza, but I was just about to. Yeah, I yeah. was just about to mention that is very thing. There's no real way of what we call the science of matter. So stuff that we can see, feel, touch. There's no science in the world of matter 
that can truly answer placebo because it's invisible. It's energy inside of your body. And what is that? Well, we're slowly learning and discovering maybe what it is, these quarks and particles and this one field that Joe Dispenza talks about. This is a guy Joe Dispenza we both love. Well, we're jumping ahead to surf media, but if you can listen to anything other than us, and oh, I'll, yes. I'll come on to some of it, is the chat that Joe Dispenza has with Aubrey Marcus, who I know is one of your kind of big uh, listens as well, his, his show. I mean, actually, the pair of them, they're like a sort of better looking version of me and you, aren't they, Joe and uh, Aubrey? <laughs> Far, both far superior in the looks department. Yeah, well, then again, but maybe maybe more. <laughs> I was going to say I'm going down the Joe Dispenza you, route. You go that's where I'm, that's where I'm going. You with. go down that route. Go. But it's right that the sort of realm of science, which is always seen as this kind of polar opposite of whatever you want to call woo woo spirituality or you know healing or whatever it might be, is starting because of quantum mechanics and quantum physics, quantum biology rather. Sorry, is coming in the same direction. So they're exploring these things. They're not. They're actually intertwined. And, um, and I really like the themes that Joe Dispenza talks about anyway. Takes a leap of faith as he talks. You know, it is faith, isn't it? That's what we're talking about here. But the chat that he has, he really sort of breaks it down, doesn't he, with the conversation with Aubrey Marcus about the, the idea that, you know, in the same way that cells respond to stress, we know that cells respond to stress, right? We know that inflammation can be a kind of mechanical or physical response to stress conditions. That's sometimes coming from the mind. It's not actually real stress. It's Your mind is telling your body that it's stress. I would say mostly. Yeah. If we know it can do that, why can't we have the opposite effect? And that equally we can, by learning to become whole, as Joe Dispenza would say, react to that in more positive ways and throw positive energy through our um, system because it's about belief. I totally about belief, dude. If you believe that you can, then you will. Yeah. And even if you're not you into can, the woo stuff. That's it. If you believe you can improve, if you can believe you can train something, if you believe mm-hmm. you can get better at something, mm-hmm. doesn't have. To, we don't have to be talking about like uh, biblical miracles here. That's not what we're saying. But it can also be about the simple thing about a belief that you can ride a wave in a way that you want to ride it. Yeah, yeah. Imagining you're doing it, you're already partway there to doing it. Albert Einstein once said, imagination is more important than knowledge. Mm, I agree. So if you believe you can, then you will. And that's far more important, taking yourself forward. And like the study with the um, sugar pill versus the steroidal stuff, that the group that were getting major benefit to their body, because they believed they were having a steroid, but they weren't, they were having sugar, just goes to show that if you believe that you can get better and you can heal and you can do X and you can do Y, then you will. It's just a case of keeping your focus on that vision. And it, it just, it's amazing how it works. And science is slowly getting there of answering those missing pieces. But what I really like, and I love this, is that it really won't still ever truly discover what that is because that's why there is so much mystery in life. And that's the universe, right? It's a bit like trying to figure out, you know, it, does the universe end? And if there is an ending, where, what is it at the end? Is it a wall? How big is the wall? Do you, can you get around the wall? What's the other side of the wall? Like, <laughs> Well, we're going deep <laughs> Do you here, know what I mean? We? But even those very questions sometimes, because I love them, you know, what is Mindful Surfer? Imaginative, curious, exploration at the heart of what they want to do. But even in asking those big questions or what will happen takes you out of that here and now. And I think this is what I'm, I'm going to listen to this over and over again, actually, is that it's in connecting with the whole, becoming whole in the here and now. You don't really need to know the answers to that stuff because you've already got it. So true. Happens on its own. Yeah. You don't need to say, oh, I'm going to try and heal myself. The healing takes place because well, nothing's in the way. It just works. Mm. And you don't know why. It just mm. does. It, and, and on an intuitive level, the stillest moments I've ever had, as in no thoughts, just pure, I feel my most well. 
I have no ailments. I have no issues. I have no, and it just goes to show that actually the ailments, the issues, they come from the mind. Yeah. Mostly. Now, let's not to say that we don't have the physical realities of, of, a, of a limping knee sometimes yeah. or whatever. That's, yeah. that's, that's life. But really, mostly, it's our mind that creates it. Yeah, we are flesh and blood, so things go wrong. Mm. But uh, it's, fl- it's mind-blowing. If you haven't checked it out, go and have a listen to we Joe Dispenser li- and Aubrey Marcus. Big time. And we'll leave that in the show notes. Segment number two, uh, the mind, body, stoked. Things Liam and I have been doing with our minds and bodies to raise the stoke. I want to mention something here. Go on, Will. I have this work on, we'll call it, that when more and more people start getting in the ocean, on a fun peak I've been enjoying, like yesterday, that I slip into scarcity mindset. And scarcity mindset says there are now too many people with too few waves for me to be able to have as much fun as I was having or want to have. Right. And that happened. We were on this great little peak, having a really good time. It's about three foot, woo, down the line, cutbacks. And I was doing little sort of railed, sort of like tail drifts. And I was, on a, I was in the buzz. I was buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. And then another guy got in, unrecognizable face. So that's part of the game, maybe too as well. And then someone else got in and it all got, it started to get clustered on this one little peak. And then my mindset was like, fuck, I was having a good time there. And now it's just like, oh, and you feel a bit deflated. And the amazing thing is like, we just literally just discussed three minutes ago about the mind. My mind was dictating how my body felt. And because my body felt like that, my vibration was sending out a signal to say, this is what I'm focused on. Please present more of it to me. Because that's how it works. Yeah. You know, what you're thinking about is what you attract. And so I was there and I was constantly overthinking this thing. And so therefore, even more people came, more people came. And it was what was happening. I then caught myself doing it. And firstly, it's a breath. It's always the breath. Brings you back. Right. Deep breathing. And I just paddled down. I didn't even think it was very far. It's like 10, 12 meters mm. to this sort of left. So the right is going towards the left. The left is going towards the right. I just went to the left hander that's coming the other way. Yep. And um, first wave two full roundhouse cut full roundhouse cutbacks which in Sidmouth is really rare but like top to bottom roundhouse down the trough Tricky. up the top hit the foam and then a second and I was like what it was this really 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 cool buzz and it felt to me like a gift from the universe that said look well done great job there's your reward look there's your your sign shall we say of keep doing that in life keep letting go keep letting go and there's a great uh, this is a Nick Mulvaney lyric from one of his great songs great uh, music artists have you heard of Nick Mulvaney no this is I've my got to get him on I've here. got a good he, he's a surfer too we've got to get him on the show he's phenomenal check it out in a second Nick Mulvaney I've got to, I want you guys to all check him out but um, the only way to hold on is keep letting go there's a feel meet me there do 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 it's a great song you um, won't be coming on the show now he, that's for sure <laughs> fuck you man <laughs> <laughs> listen it is what it is. So he said, yeah, the only way to hold on is to keep letting go. So yeah, we have it in surfing. And there's a surfer on the planet, even Jerry Lopez, who couldn't admit to that, where you've more and more people, more and more people on a peak and you do go into the mindset of how am I going to have fun? How am I going to get waves? I know. Well, it's human condition. It's you human, just, you, you just you, do it. It's not the, um, you know, the non-human surfer or the, uh, the holier than thou. That's what I'm looking for. The mindful surfer doesn't mean the holier than thou surfer. Far from it. It's about taking in all that is human and trying to tweak and coach and do the bits that make the experience of being human an easier ride. It humbles me too, dude, because every single time I've just paddled a little bit away and accepted, things have changed. And it always, always, always happens. Mm. And 
the longer and longer I've stayed in the scarcity bit and the longer and longer I've stayed in the stress bit of like other surfers and hustling is the longer and longer that I've, I've elongated my suffering and it doesn't have to be like that. You know, the surfers get so miserable about how crowded it is. And it's just, it's amazing the lack of self-awareness that, that what they're doing is recreating the same scenario over and over and over because their focus is on it. Well, here's the big metaphor that comes whizzing back for life as well, isn't it? Is that if you don't like something, change it. It's within your power, especially in the ocean, or get out <laughs> at the end of the day. It's so true. And, 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 and also in relating to mindset, if someone's negative about the crowded alignment and, and doesn't really realize they're even doing it, well, once there's no crowd, oh, the surf's going to be shit. Yeah. Do you see the thing? Like, it, the mindset follows you wherever you go. Wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. So if you can't just awaken to the nonsense, then it just stays the same. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to share? Well, it being the night before the night before Christmas, if you tune into this as it goes live, it's about, we were sort of as Brits and Northern Europeans and probably the our dear American friends and, and our Aussie mates and Kiwis and all that, we are prone to enjoying one or two, maybe three or four more. And if you're me, sometimes six more beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Come on, be Beers than you should. The 12 beers of Christmas. <laughs> hey, there's a great idea. It's a good idea. Uh, hold on to that. Don't tell anybody about it. But yeah, we are. For me at this time of year, it's two things. One is being conscious of that. And I just have to say that during this lockdown period, I'm not doing the same excessive get-togethers through either work because we have a culture of sort of boozing with work sometimes and client and people that we work with and friends because, well, frankly, most of the pubs are shut because of COVID. So there is some good in that. It helps the discipline. But it's twofold. One is not giving yourself, wherever you listen to this, a hard time for enjoying the festive season. You know, we talk about body gains and mind gains and that, but sometimes just doing the things that you enjoy when you enjoy them, but not to the detriment of your overall health. Why not? So I'm managing that as well at the moment as we go through the gears of Christmas, but it's going to be a slightly different vibe because, as I say, most things are shut. So that's what I'm working on with my body. But at the same time, God, we're surfing loads. Uh, we've got another trip to the wave where, where we'll have been when you listen to this planned. We're just keeping up the surf fit training on, a, on, on Wednesday night. So all of that stuff is really, really helping. And then a bit like... A bit for me as well. This has kind of been a big, anybody who's been listening to the show about my love for things like Doritos, Chili Heat Wave. Still haven't had a free bag of those from anybody. <laughs> By the way, guys, we're in Sidmouth yeah. at the Sidmouth Community Centre yeah. in Devon, yeah. England. Let you know our location. Yeah. So Mr. Dorito and friends. Liam Morgan. Yeah, the Christmas... Uh, send those over. Send those over, and I will make sure they're not here by the end of next week. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, you've got to sort of just give yourself a little bit of space sometimes, I think, to just let it let it out. It's interesting with that letting it out bit. I think I know myself well enough to know that I get addicted to things very quickly and easily. And I've always had a work on, don't call it an issue, but just a work on of moderation. Because when I get a taste for stuff, oh, geez. Yeah. And that's, I just think knowing yourself. So I am, I am that kind of, I guess, quite extreme character. If you went on a surf trip with me for a couple of weeks, you'd be like, Jesus, he, he eats nothing but that. And it's clean as, and I don't have a whistle of anything else. And it's because of, from previous experience, my life has taught me that I get hooked on stuff so fast. I mean, so, so, so fast to the degree where if I start at myself, I like, have like dark chocolate before I know it'll be like a bar every single night. Yeah. And it really will. Like it's just, it's a weird thing. And, and even though I'm very mindful of, of everything I do, this uncontrollable, and I don't know where it comes from. It might be my childhood, my body. I don't know. My parents, blah, blah, blah. But it's a strange one. It's the same with booze. Like I just, the rails. Although I'm a bit better with that now, yeah. but the, when I used to play rugby, 
oh my God, 15 pints, yeah. boom, no big deal. A few nights a week, mm. boom. And it was never the moderation, the enjoyment of it, and just enjoy it for that bit and yeah. then be done. Same with dark chocolate. I mean, yeah. dude, can you stop at a square? Well, be honest with me. Not really. And I've done, <laughs> I've done this. I've gone up the grades of dark chocolate. You know you can get 100% now. Oh, you can get all sorts. So this 100% stuff is there to be just like a little nibble. And most people go, I can't even. I know it's safe in the cupboard at home because nobody else in my house wants it's to be no 100%. Sweetness. <laughs> nobody wants to be 100% dark chocolate. But like we talked about earlier with the wave, the familiarity, once you get used to something, you can take it and it becomes a thing you really want to get more of and you, you're complacent about it. But wow, that is a good hit. I'm down to about two squares of that. Two squares is good. Whereas the 70-80% stuff, it is gone if I get stuck into that. But it's, it's a really interesting phenomenon, dark chocolate, because it, what's happened over the last 20, 15, 20 years is it's been, chocolate companies have been very smart, is they've really brought home this antioxidant message. Oh, you know, get it in because it's good for you. And these, It's still sugar. It's still calories. It's still definitely going to make your snap slower. And your turn's weaker and that belly bigger. Like it's still going to, do you know what I mean? It's really funny because dark chocolate's done so well as it would do because, oh my God, it's so delicious and life's short. But wow, when I get into my dark chocolate, I surf slower. I feel a little bit fatter. It just is a fact of life. I, I end up consuming four to 600 calories more a day than I need. And even though it is 70%, in one bar, there's still about 20, 30, 40 grams of sugar. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Do you know who I blame? Hit me. Willy Wonka. Hey. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Oh, God, mate. We're we off are, again. We are. We have lost half our listens in one show because <laughs> we've sung three times. Right. Wankers, wankers. Get off the air right wow. now. Hey, do you know this is the first time you've sworn, I think, through the whole episode. Oh, my God. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Wow. That's impressive. Actually, do you know, it is. I'm getting maybe a little bit more articulate. Well done. It's uh, not just saying fuck. Well, should we should we spare the listeners any more of our singing and move on? Surf media. Surf media. Have you anything you've watched or you're checking out over the festive period? Ben Gravy. Yeah, all the way. Big waves. He. We've discussed him a number of times, and we will again and again because he he embodies the spirit of the mindful surfer overall because he's honest. He's down to earth. He's a ripper too. So he's progressed his surf. He's not just, you know, sitting on the sidelines and he's pushing himself into the big waves now and being, again, being vulnerable, being honest. I mean, being honest is being vulnerable, isn't it? Because you, most people seem to hide dishonestly behind a veil of how they feel that they should be because they want to present a certain image so that the real self doesn't get seen because that would be just far too scary, which I understand too. Yeah. I think that's totally fine. No judgment. But then you have wonderful people like Ben Gravy who is dead honest. Shows everything, wears his heart on his sleeve, being very honest with his journey. Actually, speaking about booze and addiction, very bravely gave up what was for him an addiction and restarted, rebooted it. And just shows you that you don't have to sit in the spiral of anything. So he is sort of almost the mindful surfer of the year, isn't he, Ben Gravy? Yeah, totally good, totally good. A tremendous, tremendous human. And, you know, I, I watch a lot of that as well. We'll get him on in 2021. Yeah. Shall I mention as well that my surf media is a real book, William? Not on the internet. Is actually sure, it's not a, just porn. A book you can hold, definitely. Although Liam's holding it, a it ginormous is, porno mag right now, everybody. Is six, 1960s. Leroy 1960s Bush <laughs> with giant nipples. <laughs> Are you finished? I'm, I'm sorry. Are you I'm finished? Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, so Leroy Granis, 
Mm. My father-in-law got me this, by the way. uh, He is a surf photographer and took lots in the 60s and 70s. And it was given to me by my father-in-law. I found it at a book exchange. But looking through it, the shots are absolutely incredible. We might put some out there, actually, on social. But really ties into the chat we had with Priscilla, which I, I thought was interesting. Because in this book, surfing, people like Dick Brewer... And Betty Heinrich, a wave woman, who I know we spoke to Priscilla about, but Dick Brewer is one of her, uh, Priscilla's mentors as well. And there he is in his prime surfing some very impressive waves, some beautiful shots in there. So that's been my surf media. It's a great coffee table book. It's a very. If anyone's good. thinking about a book for if Christmas. If you've got a coffee table. And, and if you've got a coffee table. It's, it just sits there, doesn't it? Yeah. Beautiful images. Yeah. Just a big shout to Pete and Leighton at the UK Surf Show, who very kindly mentioned us in the last show. If you haven't listened to them, go and check them out. Very, very down-to-earth, easygoing, lovely blokes. And we're hoping at some point over this Christmas period to get a a surfing with those boys. So um, check that out as well in surf media. Awesome stuff, guys. See you soon. Nice one. Bye.